It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Stigma may not directly affect you, but it harms the one in five Americans living with mental health conditions. Which prevents millions of people from seeking help. So do yourself and everyone a favor. Go to CureStigma.org and get tested for stigma. Good morning, good morning, and this is the second half of Saturday Mornings with Joy Keyes. I'm your host, Joy Keyes. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. You can follow me on Twitter at Joy Keyes. Also check me out on Facebook. Saturday mornings with Joy Keys, and on Instagram, Saturdays with Joy Keys. We are also on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, iTunes, as well as here at Blog Talk Radio. Well, this morning, I am speaking with an unusual guy, I would say. He was a doctor, and now he's like a writer, and he has lots of detective books and series, more than just one. Yes, he was a doctor and writing at the same time. So this is Quay Quarte. I think he's on the line now. Quay, are you there? Good morning, Joy. Good it's morning. Thank you. From you. It's nice to hear from you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dr. <laughs> Quay, Dr. Quarte, what should I call you? Oh, you can call me Quay. That's fine. Okay. No formalities. So no, so no, so, okay. So how did you have time to write and be a doctor? Where did you put this in or fit this in? Yeah, it was a, a lot of, I say was because I actually retired from medicine, uh, full-time from medicine in uh, 2018 to write full-time. But prior to that, it was a matter of just good time management, um, a couple of hours writing in the early morning before starting work at the clinic. And then mm-hmm. um, any days off I had uh, or, and or the weekends, I put as much writing in as, as, as possible. Um, but, I, you know, I won't pretend that it was, it was easy. No, I can imagine it wasn't easy. And you have a series, uh, Darko Dawson, Chief Inspector Darko Dawson, and then you also have the Emma Dijon series, which were, is the book that I was able to read, Sleep Well, My Lady. Um, now, mm-hmm. you wrote it with a guy, a main character. Now you're writing with the woman. What were the challenges? Yeah. How did you have to shift? or What did you have to do to, to write about now a woman as the main character? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a great question. To give a little background, at the end of my first series, which is the Inspector Doctor Dawson series, in the fifth novel, which is called Death by His Grace, I introduced a new female character um, who was Darko's assistant, and the the plan was to sort of have a spin-off with her. Um, as in the background, uh, Darko would be kind of helping her along, but my editor said, no, 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 it's got to be a full new brand new series. So that's when I created um, Emma Jam. And, um, you know, it's it's very interesting that 
I discovered as I wrote the female character that I was far more kind of relaxed as I did it. I didn't feel mm-hmm. a certain tension that I did when I was uh, writing Darko. Uh, and I put it down to this sort of maybe a little bit of, you know, macho rivalry, you know, that male-male thing. You know, I'm sort of tense around my, my male character. But with Emma, I just feel sort of soothed. And it is actually a big surprise to me, you know, that I had this, this sort of psychological reaction writing a female character. Yeah, because, you know, sometimes you might think, or men might think, I'm going to shy away from you. I'm not, I'm not going to write. Even, even if they thought about a female character as a lead, maybe they were like, no, I'm not, not capable. Did you get anyone to help you? Um, uh, like when they, did they read over your book and say, no, a woman wouldn't say that. She's not going to, she's not going to do that. Did you get that kind of help at all? There was only one occasion where um, the editor said that she thought um, Emma's reaction to a a certain um, scenario um, she thought was was rather atypical, but she didn't put it as atypical for a woman. She said she didn't think Emma would do something like that. Um, In other words, she wasn't putting it down to, uh, well, you don't understand women. She was saying that she just didn't see the character responding in that way. And she could well have said that about a male as well. But apart from that, I'm I'm really pleased to say that nobody, including my editors and my readers, has actually said to me, like, oh, no, 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 you're you're way off. (laughs) You know, you're way off in terms of a woman um, writing for a woman. But, you know, I, I would say that a lot of it comes from, you know, watching my mom. Uh, I was very close to my mother, and I, I kind of, you know, kept my eye on her, seeing how she responded to certain things. And um, mm-hmm. there were also a number of other uh, women um, that I looked up to as I was growing up. And I think that was sort of being cemented in my subconscious, you know, ready to... <laughs> ready to come out, you know, when I was ready to write a female character. Now, your father, I read, was a writer of nonfiction. Uh, is, that, is that correct? How did he influence your writing? Yes, he, um, he wrote, my father was Ghanaian, uh, my mother, uh, uh, my late mother, a black American, um, and he wrote, he was, um, he was a political scientist and uh, journalist, and he wrote a lot, uh, many books about um, West African journalism and pre-colonialism. Um, he, he was very prolific with what he put out, and I think one of my best memories was hearing him, you know, late at night, I don't even think my father slept, uh, typing away, <laughs> you know, click-tapping okay. track. He used to use the the one finger the one finger technique you know the the forefinger mm. of both hands uh, tap tap tapping away very late at night and I think just that um, just observing that dedication to starting a pro, uh, a project and finishing it was uh, in many ways an inspiration for me especially in the the writing the writing um, realm. But the other thing was that, you know, my, my house was filled with a lot of books, fiction and nonfiction, since both my mom and dad were university professors at the University of Ghana. Yeah. 
And um, I got a lot of inspiration from um, those novels. And uh, believe it or not, mystery, uh, crime fiction was my favorite even as a little kid. Now, this book, uh, Sleep Well, My Lady, and, and also your other books, you deal with some heavy topics. I mean, in the Darko Dawson, yeah. you dealt with, you know, the gold, uh, you know, industry, the Gold Coast. And in and, and this mm-hmm. book, you know, there's domestic violence involved. Um, you know, there's mm-hmm. abusive lovers. Um, and there's yeah. class issues that you're dealing with in there. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, where do you de- when do you decide, okay, this is the political thing I'm going to t- plug in there? Do you realize you're doing it, or are the characters, like, pulling you along, like, okay, this is this story, I'm going to now do this? H- how do you decide on that? Um, I think it's a, it's a mixture of, of both. I do, I do like to have a starting um, premise, and as you know, as you noted in one of my uh, novels, Dr. Dawson novels, Gold of Our Fathers, I dealt with the illegal Chinese uh, gold mining in Ghana, which started in around two, 2007 up till this time. And in other books, I've, I've tackled other social issues. I like to have those as, as the background. And mm-hmm. this, these are not, uh, you know, tea cozy mysteries. You know, the murder of the the vicar in a small village. These are some heavy topics that I deal with. Um, and and to me, you know, fiction um, doesn't. I think it shouldn't actually be um, separated from the issues that that we face as human beings. We can't gloss over the things that happen. And the the thing about writing mysteries is that it deals with, you know, human beings' most intense emotions, both good and bad. And uh, I I do like to bring those in. These, these are hard topics, and it's a way of, of facing them through fiction in, in a sense. You do have um, love stories and people who are in love with people, you know, the main character, she's a fashion designer, and she has mm-hmm. a lot of men that are in love with her. Um, but I don't feel mm-hmm. you make her, like, slutty, like that character is slutty, because um, I, I don't, people that are in love with her don't see her that way. I, I, I appreciated that. It's okay for a woman to have multiple lovers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly, um, and but and you know, but but the other thing, Joy, is that I think, I think that Lady Araba was in a way treated unfairly. I think the a lot of the fuss that was made about you know how many men she was sleeping with were were creations. She in fact did not actually sleep with a, a lot of men, and in fact, uh, in one part of the book, she she said she didn't really enjoy sex that much actually. But this was something that yes. was, uh, is kind of created on a, a, an image of her, and some of it might have been, you know, resentment from, you know, other people in the business or jealousy, things like that. I think because they were scorned by her or, you know, she didn't take interest in them. You know, so you have the, the gardener, yes. um, you have the security guard. Um, I personally don't think she slept with a lot, but in society, whether it's African society, Ghanaian society, or American society, if a woman slept with more than one man, I hate to tell you, even to this day, she is considered sometimes less. 
You see, yeah. I hate to tell for some reason, yeah. society has that view. A man, oh, you got five, oh, you know, they want to, you know, give me daff and, you know, give a hug. Like, yo, you, you know, you did that. Okay. This is my chismo yeah. thing. But if a woman, yeah, you the, find the out, high, like, you the know. high-fiving, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it, a woman, that's not accepted. So when I say she slept with a lot, I don't, I know that she didn't sleep with a lot based on what she wrote. But, you know, society, yeah. and that's what came out in the book. Um, Now, you know, the interesting thing is corruption in there, too. Now, did anybody get mad at you because you you bring that up in other books, uh, corruption in in Ghanaian society with the police? Uh, Is that something that you feel really happened or you over-exaggerating? What what has been the experience, uh, the feedback on that? Yeah. Yeah, so is it correct or true or close to the, the truth? And this is Quay, Quay, can I stop you for one of, second? I think you're yes. you're kind of like breaking up a little bit. Um, do you want to, okay. I don't know, jiggle your wire on the phone? Or, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> try, try again. Try to talk now. Let's how, about, how about now? Okay. It, it's fine now. It's fine. Okay. So go ahead. So yeah, you were so, talking about the corruption. Right. And, um, it, you know, it goes through all levels of um, society um, in Ghana, I would say. And I I think it's one of the main uh, obstructions to actually moving forward. Ghana is definitely developing quickly, but I think it could do a whole lot better if corruption was not rife throughout society. And uh, incidentally, that was one of my my dad's huge peeves. He as a Ghanaian about Ghanaian society uh, and a person who would not even take it. In fact, <laughs> I've actually given some of my books to um, officers in the Ghana Police Service, and I haven't heard anything back yet, so I guess I'm still okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, you know, you're a bit of a political activist. I read somewhere that um, you got arrested for putting up posters. You want to tell us about that story? Wow, Joy, you have done your homework. <laughs> I got you, man. I yeah, got it, I'm... you know. Look, <laughs> I'm a detective. <laughs> you, are, you are on it. <laughs> You're on fire. Um... <laughs> yeah. That's okay. You yes, don't want to talk I about was... we, we We can talk about something else. It's okay. No, it's fine with me. I was a I was a college student, um, and at the time, Ghana was going through uh, several you know military regimes, and um, there was strikes and student protests and so on. And I decided one night I was going to go on my own little um, how should I put it my own little campaign against the government. So. I was going around the, the city putting up uh, little placards or posters, you know, down with the government and so on. And I, my vision was that the very next day everybody would see all these these um, announcements on the wall about how evil the military regime was, and there'd be a big uprising and <laughs> an overturning of the um, the military junta. Uh, needless to say, none of that happened, and I was caught and arrested and thrown into prison for a couple of weeks. So, yeah, I guess that um, that 
activism, political activism has been with me since uh, an early age. Think about what happened in America and the um, trying to take people trying to take over the Capitol building. Yeah, you know, it's it's very interesting to uh, watch that kind of thing um, when you have the perspective of having uh, lived under a uh, like a dictatorship or a military regime where you, you can't talk, you can't say anything, you can't, um, you know, oppose the government or else you'll be thrown into jail. And, yes. you know, for those of us who have actually experienced that, we look at this kind of uprising and just shake our heads and say, man, you don't even know what you have as a democracy. You don't even know the thing that you are trying to take down. This is mm-hmm. something that people yearn for in other countries. They, they die for it. And you are yes. trying to destroy it. This, this is just so ridiculous and absurd. And people just don't understand what kind of blessing a democracy is. Um, and, and I just invite some of them to just spend a few weeks somewhere in a, a dictatorship and see how much you like it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting because some of them were taking pictures and laughing. And I, I was trying to explain to someone, I said, if they really wanted to take over, there would be dead bodies. There would be hostages. There would be no question about that. There would be no time to be taking pictures. I said, so I, I yeah. never, when I was watching it, I was mad. But then at the same time, by, when it got to a certain point, I was like, this is a game. Is this a game to you? You know, to think about trying to take over. And, you know, I know people were scared. And, but I said, if they really were serious, those guns, they were just flashing, they would have shot somebody. They wouldn't need, they wouldn't be taking yeah. pictures, you know, being happy. Because when, like you said, people yeah. die in other places that have less yeah. freedom than we do. I mean, we can look at China right now. Yeah. They are still, they started uprising again, you know, um, and mm-hmm. all parts of the world, people are uprising because of the types of governments that they have that are suffocating them. Literally. You Absolutely. can't trust your friends. Absolutely. You can't trust your family sometimes because you don't know if they're going to rat you out. So it's very suffocating from what I've, you know, read. I thankfully have, you know, been here all my life, but, like you said, yes. In other places, it's much worse. In, in those <laughs> old days, in those old days in Ghana, when you when you woke up at six in the morning and you heard military music, it's like, oh crap, another coup. And um, there were there were situations in which you know we were actually we actually heard hails of gunfire um, very close to where we were living, and you know this that's the kind of terror that you would be living under, just imagine you living like that every single day. I mean, it's, it's just, it's a travesty to try and bring down democratic institutions uh, without really understanding what you have as a blessing. Yeah. Let's talk about the book again. Now you, I read somewhere, wrote, mm-hmm. <laughs> here's my detective ship again. Your first book around eight or nine, nine, nine years old. Uh, is that true? And, and what was the story? Yeah, actually, I was, I was listening to Deneen. I was fascinated that she actually had done almost the same thing. Um, she uh, was telling us how she wrote up these uh, stories and, uh, you know, staples the pages together with 
pieces mm. of cardboard, and I did the same thing. Yeah, when I was uh, oh my god, eight are you serious? Or nine. <laughs> okay. Yes, yes, I wrote, I wrote um, my. They were kind of really novellas, really short stories, and um, I would either um, write them in longhand or type them out, and then I would design my own book covers and staple everything together because I like to draw as well. So. Yeah, I did uh, more or less the same thing, and and it's what's really interesting is, yep, even as early as that, I was I was writing uh, detectives. I had a, a number of heroes. I had a a children's um, group of five kids who went around solving mysteries, and then I had a another um, character called Puma, uh, who was kind okay. of like a he. <laughs> You know, he was a daredevil who lived in uh, the forest and spoke with animals, things like that. Uh, and yeah, so it was always detective or thriller in that in that in that genre. And I took some of my inspiration from, you know, the thrillers and mysteries that I used to read as a, a kid. I was a voracious reader. Yeah, I, I heard you re- read um, all of Sherlock Holmes, all the different stories. Is yes. that true? You read the whole complete? Yes. How long did that take? Yeah, I, well, off and on, off and on. I, I would say that, you know, I didn't do it all in one sitting, but I definitely read uh, a large chunk of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's works. And I still, I still, in fact, have that huge volume of uh, Arthur Conan Doyle, uh, Sherlock Holmes uh, mysteries, and I return to it every once in a while. I just pick a story and say, oh, let me go back to this one. And um, yeah, he's to me he's the the champion of of all detectives, and uh, I still have tremendous respect uh, for his powers of of observation. Because actually, they were based on a physician by the name of uh, Joseph Bell, who used to tell stories about his patients just by you know looking at them. Then he would turn to you know his students and say, "Well, this gentleman once worked as a." Uh, um, as a cobbler, and uh, he hurt himself when he was in the in the war, and things. And people would say, "Well, how did you know all this stuff?" And he'd mm. just say, "Observation, my dear friend." You know, so <laughs> that's how uh, <laughs> Sherlock Holmes was born. <laughs> I like that in your book, the, the each character is unique. Like I, I feel like I know them. Like Jojo was different, you know, than Emma, you know, and then you have Thomas. Yeah. Um, you have the, you know, the, yeah. the, the pastor who's uh, the, main, the main, well, not the main character, but the, how would I say, the, the fashion the direct, the fashion designer's father, his character, they, like, I yeah. felt them. Like, I could feel, you know, his, his um, audacity, his arrogance, you know, the father, mm-hmm. the meekness of the mother, yep. where, you know, yep. and, and, you know, there's a, I, oh, I don't want to give it away. Oh, gosh. There's, there's, let's just say when you guys read the book, like he's talking about these skills of observation, one of the detectives observes something that unless you know about this particular subject matter, you wouldn't know about that. You wouldn't know, you wouldn't put A plus B equals C. Um, oh gosh, I want to say it, but I can't, cause I don't want to give it away. You know. <laughs> but um, okay. So you see, I'm excited about the book. Um, so, so what's coming up next? for uh, Emma. Emma is, is going to be in a, a novel called Last Scene in La Paz, and this deals with another he- pretty heavy topic, which is very, um, very cogent uh, these days and very topical. 
and that is um, human trafficking through uh, mm. Nigeria, Ghana, uh, up to uh, Libya and across the Mediterranean to Italy. And in, in this story, uh, Emma discovers this, this world that she, she never even uh, knew existed, and um, it's all connected to a murder that uh, takes place uh, in the novel. So I'm working on that now. I'm about, uh, I guess, a third of the way or so. So that should be out in uh, 2022. Well, I, if you need any help with that, I, I actually did a, I did a show on human trafficking just the other month, and I want to let people know he's talking about things that are outside the United States. Human trafficking is a well, a well, a, alive and kicking here in America. And um, we, yeah. we talked about human trafficking being sex trafficking, but there's also labor trafficking. What is your book yeah, going to be dealing absolutely. with, or, or is it going to be dealing with both of those? Um, it's both because uh, on, on the, male, the male side, human trafficking is uh, common from, um, like, say, Nigeria through to Libya. That's, the males are, are all doing uh, manual uh, labor. And then with women, it's, it's all sex trafficking, um, you know, mm-hmm. from Nigeria up to Libya. Some of them get stuck in Libya, um, you know, in prostitution. And those that get to Italy also get into prostitution after having been told that, oh, you know, this is a place paved where the streets are paved in gold and you get a, you know, big yeah. house and, uh, you know, you make a lot of money, and when they get there, they discover, you know, not they're indebted to the people that brought them over, and they got to work it off. And the way they do it is by prostitution, which which means years and years of indentured servitude. It's it's a very ugly business. Yeah, and I mean, some it's, it's like you're never going to get off, and then because you don't know if the people are telling you the truth or lying. Like, well, you, obviously yep. you find out, okay, they say you owe 3000 and then all of a sudden, you know, next week, well, uh, it's 3500 or whatever. Like, when does it end? Yeah. You know, that's exactly. a problem. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's actually 4000 because now you owe such and such, you know. And it just mm-hmm. keeps going, mm-hmm. and, and you're stuck. You're stuck. It's, it's, it's a very <laughs> – it kind of makes me squirm, actually. Um, but, you know, one of the things about uh, – I think we writers are always trying to – deal with things that are, are painful by, by writing about it. I know that that's one of the reasons I write. I, I'm trying to, you know, it's, it's kind of like a, a crocodile whipping its tail around and you want to get a hold of it and stop it. And that's, that's the way sometimes I feel when I'm writing. I'm, I'm actually trying to get my grip around something that is, uh, you know, painful and, and uncomfortable. Well, I really appreciate that you're doing that um, and bringing light to topics that people may not want to be aware of, really. I mean, I think we know things are going on sometimes, but we decide to, like, not look and, and, and look the other yep. way. So I, I think what you're doing yep. is, is important, and you're doing it in the realm of the, this crime fiction. So it's, it's, it's mm-hmm. kind of digestible. You know, it's, it's digestible yeah, as opposed exactly. to reading, you know, a, a history book or something like that, you know, or an right. article in the New York exactly. Times, you know. I, yeah. So, um, yeah, exactly. yeah. Well, I, I think that's great. Oh, let me just ask you real quick. What do you like to draw? You said you like to draw. What is it that you're drawing? Um, I, I 
I paint uh, sometimes okay. uh, watercolor or um, or oil. I like I I like landscapes, and I often like um, for some reason I like silhouettes. I still have a a, a, a watercolor that I painted as a little kid. It's a a man um, and his little boy of about two or three, and he's holding his hand as they walk, and their silhouettes against the the sunset, and um, I don't know. I've always kind of liked that uh, kind of expression. It is a kind of expression, really, different from writing, but it is a, a kind of expression. Well, I mean, you're an artist, and many artists do a variety of skills. They have, they could be a musician, they could be a singer. Um, you're, you're a writer. You're mm-hmm. painting. You know, um, dancer yeah. could you know, you know, yeah. become something else. So a lot of artists. Yeah. are multi-talented and a lot of artists reach out to the other arenas of creativity mm-hmm. uh, and turn yeah. helping the, their main one, you know, in turn helping what their, yeah. what their main thing is, you know? So um, I'm looking Absolutely. for a stapled edition of the painting coming soon. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you some cardboard. <laughs> And you can staple it together okay. and, and, and self-publish. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> that would be that would be very nice. Thank you. <laughs> okay, I, I, it'll be it'll be it'll be touchless. I'll tell them to leave at the door since we're in COVID, and that way you know it's safe, it's safe to pick it up at COVID the door. <laughs> <It's> exactly. <laughs> oh man, Quay, thank you terrific. so much for coming on the show today. It was a really nice speaking with you. Um, I'm Likewise. giving away some Thanks copies. So much. You're welcome. I'm going to give away some copies of your book. Oh, tell the audience where they can follow you on social media. Oh, yes. On Instagram, I'm um, at Crime Fiction with Quay Corte. Or you can just uh, you can just put the name Corte, Q-U-A-R-T-E-Y, in and, and you'll find me. Um, and, and the same with um, uh, Twitter and Facebook, just put Corte, Q-U-A-R-T-E-Y. It's like quarter, but with a Y on the end. And uh, you find <laughs> yes. it that way. <laughs> and he also has a website, um, and you can uh, read about um, his books there, uh, his other series, and as well as all the accolades that he has received yeah. for uh, his different stories. Yeah, I have a blog um, there as well, so QuayCorte.com, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, this has been great speaking with you. I hope you had a lot of fun, and I hope you have a great weekend. Thank you, weekend. Joy. It was great. Okay, yeah, I'll talk to you, you later. Okay, Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I just got off the phone with author Quay Quarte. Uh, he was a doctor, but he also wrote many, many books. I'm going to be giving away his book, Sleep Well, My Lady, um, and so you want to follow me at Joy Keys on Twitter. Also check me out on Facebook, Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys, and on Instagram, Saturdays with Joy Keys. And you can look up Quay, uh, as he said, look up Quarte, Q-U-A-R-T-E-Y, uh, on any of the social media platforms and find him there. And also go to his website so you can see what's coming up next. He is a voracious reader, but he's also a voracious writer. Um, and, and look, I already told him I would be his publisher for his painting. I'll be sending over some cardboard to him. 
you'll have to listen to the interview to get that joke. But thank you again, everybody, for tuning in. Have a great weekend. To some, a baby's babbling doesn't mean much, but it does, especially if there's no babbling at all. Little to no babbling by 12 months or later is just one of the possible signs of autism in children. Learn more at AutismSpeaks.org. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 